right, suppose we stand together. We're going to have a little word of prayer. Get ready for Bible study. Good to see you this morning. All right, let's take a moment to pray, shall we? Father God, thank you. Thank you for life and strength and good health. Heaven's many blessings. I pray for the peace of God to touch every heart and every life, O oh great God. Let your beautiful will be done. Let your great glory touch every heart. Let heaven's peace be so real. Minister to our minds, O oh great God. And I thank you, O oh God of gods and King of kings, and Lord of lords. You have all the answers for us, God. You've never failed, not one time have you ever failed. And I praise you for that. Jesus' great name. Everybody said praise the Lord. If you have a Bible, I'd like to turn in the New Testament to the book of Acts. Book of Acts. Okay. If you have a Bible, the book of Acts, chapter 11. Tell you what, we are, we are some kind of spoiled people, aren't we? I, it's 73 degrees out there, and we're, and we're feeling cold. It's weird. Isn't it weird? It's strange. What can I say? <laughs> we like it just how we like it. <laughs> All right, but we thank God there's no, no big uh, hailstones hitting us, and, and it's not raining, and, you know, and all, many other things that other parts of the country are enduring this morning tornadoes and everything else so we want to be sure to thank God okay let him know we appreciate all the good 10 11 years we've enjoyed such good weather all right Acts chapter 11 that's the fifth book of the New Testament the book of Acts and it's a book of action the book of action where the church is up it's birthed it's up it's running and it's it's filled with power and glory and reaching to people everywhere. In this 11th chapter of Acts, I'll begin with verse 22. Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church which was in Jerusalem. And they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch, who when he came and had seen the grace of God was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. I want to work on purpose of heart, the purpose of your heart this morning. And everybody said, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right, you may be seated. The Lord bless you. Thank God. When you begin to read, as I said, the book of Acts, you are reading a most important and pivotal book because it's kind of holding everything together here. It ties everything together. It gives us a good understanding of what God is doing and has done. And that being the fact because Jesus started one church, meaning one body of believers. Okay? And that body of believers uh, has continued to this day. We're some 2,000 years down the road and... Uh, the church is still going on in spite of many oppositions, in spite of uh, many hurricanes or tornadoes, if you please. And uh, Jesus did say that when he started 
the church, introduced the church, let me say it that way, that he said that the gates of hell would not prevail against it. But it sure lets you know that the gates of hell were going to try, and they were going to rise up, they were going to do all kinds of uh, nasty things in an attempt to interfere with the work of the church, the body of Christ. It's okay if you all want to come join us. You don't have to feel you're a little late. Everything's fine. We're glad you're here. We love you. Appreciate you. I want you to be a part of the great work of God and what all God's doing. Nothing to be embarrassed about. We all run a little late sometimes or the alarm clock doesn't quite get us or something like that. You know, but here we are. Hallelujah. So this church that Jesus introduced and said that the gates of hell would not prevail against it. But obviously the gates of hell would come against it. And uh, that has been almost 2,000 years of history now. And we're not, as we said, we're not in the just in the end time, but we're in the last of the end time. Uh, these are not just the last days, but these are the end of the last days. And you want to keep that in mind. When the Scripture said, in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith. And when the Scripture said, in these last days, perilous times would come. We are there. It's, it, they were foretelling, we're there. Okay? We're living in times that they didn't live in. And uh, we're enduring things and being exposed to things that they were not. But they did foretell of it, just as there were those that foretold about the grace that should come to us. And, and though they wanted it, it wasn't for them. It, it was before their time, but they were told about it. They, Jesus had his way through the Spirit of signaling to them and letting them know that certain things were coming. One of them was going to be the outpouring of the Spirit of Almighty God and that he would give to mankind the gift by grace. And it is by grace and it is through faith. That's how we get what God has for the church and for the willing. It is written in the Bible and gives us terminology uh, about the willing hearted and uh, whosoever would be willing and would believe on him as the scripture has said. That you would begin to uh, believe and that you would begin to do the will of God in, in believing. That you wouldn't allow yourself to continue by God's grace in unbelief, in doubt, in fear. I had the uh, opportunity to go to the hospital and to pray and to be with a brand new baby and how nice that was. She and Phil and I went together and when you go in, of course, you have to check in with security and that's getting to be more and more a common thing to have security. And uh, we're being more and more conscious of that ourselves. We're having to be much more security conscious in all the things that we do. And uh, so don't be surprised. I don't want you to come late, but uh, I'd like you to be timely. And, uh, but should you come a little late and find the door locked sometimes, then the first thing you want to think about is security, that that's what is being uh, used and employed, and there may be a reason. Uh, sometimes there are signals. Sometimes there are 
other ways that things come through to us that we have to take precautions. And so I'm saying to you that the church that Jesus gave birth to and the church first that he introduced as it, as it came into being, as that Jesus led them, that is, those that would become a part of the body of Christ. Now, he led more than that, the body of Christ being the church. He led more than that. He, uh, he brought a whole bunch of people to the uh, Mount of Olives, uh, to a place called Bethany, and getting them there, he was giving them last-minute instructions because he was fixing to depart and to be caught up into heaven. And the Bible said that the heavens would retain him until the restitution of all things. And so uh, as he gave them these last-minute instructions, he told them that repentance and remission or forgiveness of sins was to be preached in his name among all nations. And it was to begin at Jerusalem. And that he told them that they were to go to Jerusalem and that they were to wait for the promise of the Spirit. Now, there was above, according to Scripture, 500 of them there. But only about 120 obeyed what he said, followed through and did it. Now, he gave the invitation to a larger number, but it was only a smaller number that were willing of heart. And as it is written that for God so loved the world that he gave that flesh, the invisible gave the visible. The Spirit, God being a Spirit, gave the flesh or the visible. And that whosoever would believe on him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. And so he made that crystal clear to the whole bunch that were there. But only 120 about made a conscious decision to obey him and to do what he said. That left, doing the math, about 380 that decided that they wanted to go in different directions and do different things, listen to other voices, and that's how that went. And that was most unfortunate for them. But the church, the church went forward, and they obeyed the word of the Lord. You know, if you obey God and you do what he says, you're going to go forward. And you're going to be blessed. God is going to provide. God's going to open doors. God's going to make the way. But when doors start to close and when blessings begin to come to a screeching halt or maybe even a little at a time, uh, it might, see, might seem what we call imperceptible. And so it's little by little. There's a diminishing of the presence of God and the blessings of God. And people find themselves distant from God. And that's how it was for the about 380. We don't read about them anymore. But we read about the, the ones that were blessed, the ones that were obedient, the ones that went forward, the ones that obeyed his word. We read about them and how that they gathered together in an upper room in the church house of Jerusalem. And there they begin to praise him. They begin to make supplication. They begin to talk to God. They begin to worship God. And as they did that, then the Bible teaches that there came a sound from heaven. That's where you want your sounds coming from. That's where you want the voice coming from. That's where you want to be listening for that instruction. And if you're getting your instructions from the right source and from the right place, 
and your ears are open to the right voice and you're hearing the right words, then you're going to get the right results. And the problem is, for us, is that the Bible said that because sentence is not executed speedily, that the sons, the hearts of men, the sons of men, they get very hard. They get very stubborn. They feel like, ain't nothing going to happen. I'm getting by with this. And so they keep on doing what they shouldn't do. And yet the Bible said that their time come, that time of judgment come. And this is not something that we're really wanting. I don't read where the 120 wanted that to happen to the above 380. But you see, people have to take on responsibility for their actions. You know, that's actually the definition of intelligence, that when you realize that your actions have consequences, okay? Uh, Charles, you want to help out? Your actions have consequences, and you want to be aware that every step you make, every place you hang out, everybody you hang out with, people that you listen to and you give ear to, that it's going to have consequences, whether good or whether bad. And so you want to keep God conscious. You want to keep God in mind here. Because God does see and God does hear. His eyes run to and fro throughout the whole earth. Okay, And he's very aware of your goings. He's very aware of your listenings and your speakings and your plans. And as I said, the Bible said, because judgment doesn't come quickly, because God is tolerant, God is patient, God is kind, God is loving, God is filled with mercy, and his compassion is great, that people take advantage of God. They just take advantage of him. I think that they view that nothing has taken place. There's been no smackdown. There's been no beatdown. That they view, they misinterpret God's mercy, God's grace, God's kindness, God's love as weakness. But I tell you, God is not weak. I've read in the Bible where the apostle said, do we provoke God? Are we stronger than him? want to think about that. Well, if you want to pick a fight, I suggest you pick it with somebody other than God. You know? Because we're not stronger than God. And I, I don't want to... Somebody told an account one time of a man that got so full of himself and so full of pride and so full of the wrong attitude and he got to throwing his voice around and flexing his so-called muscles. And that he, he went up to a mountain and he challenged God to a fight. And when they found the man dead, they did an autopsy. And they found out that a gnat, a noceum, had flown up his nose and gone to his brain and killed him. I think that's kind of fitting. God 
controls everything. God is the final authority, and he really doesn't have to go around and prove anything to anybody. But the heavens of the heavens declare him. There's no place that you can stop the sun, the moon, the stars from reaching. That they testify of the greatness of God. Creation does every day. Well, we're part of the creation of God. And we're called to testify of his greatness. And that all begins just as he gave them 500 above. Gave them last minute instruction. Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Get this experience. Get this salvation. Jesus said, except you get this. You cannot see or enter the kingdom of God. And you know, you're going to have to understand that when God says something, there's no exceptions. There's no exceptions. Okay? God means what he says. And he says what he means. So it's important for all of us to take this seriously. To take this seriously. To wake up. And the Bible did say to wake up. It said awake to righteousness. Let's start doing it God's way. Let's humble ourselves before the mighty God. Let's not provoke him. Let's not provoke him. Let's not try to push God around. Let's not try to challenge God or put him to the test. Because I, I am telling you as your senior pastor, you will be the loser. Not only here, but more importantly, in the world to come. Had an opportunity to witness to a lawyer the other day. And uh, I told the lawyer, I said, you can't rule from the grave. And she shook her head and she said, that's true, that's true. And I went on to say a few other things concerning God. And each time she nodded her head very sagely and she said, that's true, that's right. And you would probably say it like this, I know that's right. And those things that come from God's word, that chapter and verse, that subject matter, the teachings of God. I trust that you know that's right. Whether you're obeying it or not, in your heart of hearts, you know that that's right. And I'd like to tell you that the church, the one church that Jesus started for, Everybody. There's only going to be a certain number that makes the wise choice to serve him, to obey him, to get this experience that he said you must have to see or enter into his kingdom, to be a part of his work and his overall plan. And so they, the Bible teaches that about 120 heard that sound from heaven, and that they were all filled with what he told them to get full of, the gift of the Holy Ghost, the best of God's thinking for this period of time in which we live, the church age, the dispensation of grace, 
or a period of time of grace, grace being favor. You don't want to lose the favor of God when He's trying to bestow it upon you. You don't want to take it for granted. Oh, I've got this. I'll always have it. Oh, 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 oh. You better be careful. You better be careful. Be ye thankful, the Bible says. In everything, give thanks, the Bible says. And so, you want to walk softly. You want to walk humbly before our God. After all, He's the Most High. He's not just the mighty God, He's the Almighty God. Amen. 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 So, the example we're given is that these humble about, and obedient about 120, they received what Jesus promised them and told them that they must receive. And they did it. They humbled themselves. They submitted themselves. They, if they had to walk away from family, and some of them did, they did. If they had to stand up to abuse and bad mouth and threats, they did. You know, the Bible uses the terminology hazarded. They hazarded their lives. They put themselves out there. No matter what the threats were, no matter what the possible consequences that the enemy was saying is going to come your way if you do this. Trusting God. The writer said it over and over. I put my trust in thee. And the singer said, it's a little bit overdue, but I put my trust in thee. Well, that sounds like us, a little bit slow, a little bit overdue. But you know what? Just get there. <laughs> Just get there. You may be dragging a little bit. You may be a little bit behind the curve. But just get there. Just keep on keeping on and get there. Trust Him. Put your trust in Him. And they did. And they began to do what He said as they filled their city with the gospel, the doctrine of Jesus Christ, the apostles' doctrine, the teachings, the fixed, firm set of beliefs that was given to the church, the body of Christ. The Bible even used the term, the traditions of the elders. And sometimes we got to qualify that because there are people that, live by tradition, but it's their own traditions. They go about doing things according to their own thinking, and they come up with things that suit their carnality. You know, it, it suits them. It, oh, it fits them just right. Their fleshly ways and what they want to do and what their real motive is. And sometimes those motives, they try to hide them the enemy is very sneaky. He's very guileful. He's very underhanded. But you know what? The Bible teaches when we come into church, when we become a part of the body of Christ, that what helps us to become a part of the body of Christ, to get this experience, is that we renounce the hidden things of dishonesty. 
We don't walk in craftiness anymore. Oh, we used to. I tell you, I went to the hospital, went to security, was seen Sid Feld standing next to me, and the lady security, dressed in her uniform with her shiny badge at her computer, and I begin to give her information so she'll give us her, our little sticker that we can wear to give us a right to go into the hospital and that it can be recognized that they're okay, they've passed security, and they, they can be here. Without that, you can't be there. And so she started telling us, out of the clear blue, about people lying. And I mean, she got strong when she said, people just lie. And she just went on and on and on. And there I'm standing with my little thin Bible that I travel with, and I, I held it up so she'd know who she was talking to. And I said, you know what? I said, I tell people, we used to always tell people, why lie when you can tell the truth? But I said, it's not that way anymore. She agreed with me. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I said, but it's not that way anymore. And she slopped and looked at me, and I said, now it's why tell the truth when you can lie? I'm afraid that our young people have come up so accustomed to telling stories that they don't even know they're lying anymore, that their hearts have become hard through this generation. That is just a natural thing. Oh, natural being the key word. Just a natural thing. But you know, when you get this experience, you get the Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit, by the way. And that you not only are saved from sin, and by the way, lying is a sin. Lying is deception. Lying is not telling the truth. Lying is hiding things, covering things up. But when you come into church, you renounce those things. You repent of those things. You put those things off. And in his place, you put on Christ. Now Christ suits you. Now the fruit of the Spirit suits you. Now honesty replaces dishonesty and it suits you. Our generation is different than the generation before it and the one before that and the one before that. Did they have their problems? Yes. Did they have their sin? Yes. Did they do things wrong? Yes. But I'll tell you what, things have downgraded. Things have degenerated. They've gone down further and further and further. And fools make a mock at sin. You know, the Apostle Paul was dealing in 1 Corinthians 15 and teaching to the church, the body of Christ, and there was an element among them that wanted to act like they were apart, but they weren't apart. 
And they were fighting and they were contrary. And they were taking a different stance on things. And when Paul began to teach, and it was a rather lengthy teaching, he got so put out with the spirit of the thing, he came to a place where there was a question posed by this element, this faction, this division. The schismatic type of people. And he said, thou fool! Wow. He just made it clear that they were fools and their thinking was foolish. And they were inviting to themselves judgment. Some judgment comes quickly. I've seen it. Some judgment does tarry. At least it appears to tarry. I don't believe anything tarries with God. I believe God has a, a set time and place in his mind, in his plan. That's why when people say, you know, I'm going to do thus and so if the Lord tarries. He's not tarrying. We, it's working towards that date. And it's coming closer and closer and closer. Problem is you just don't know what the date is. <laughs> yeah. You just don't know. And you know what? People say, well, you know, if I knew, I'd, I'd, you know, I'd be sure to be prepared. That's like the guy, the young boy that became a preacher. And he, when he grew up and was preaching, he told it. He said, you know, if my mother would have called me the first time to get up, like she called me the last time to get up, he said, I would have gotten up the first time. Most of us, it works like this. I don't know. Jose? Bob? Artie? Whatever your name? Artie, get up. No? Jose, get up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And roll over and hug, snug the pillow a little bit harder and tighter and pull the cover up over a little bit more. And, you know. Because in your mind, she's not really upset yet. But when she calls you by your four or five names, you know she means business, right? You puff up, throw the pillow aside, feet hit the floor. I'm up, I'm up, I'm up. You know, hoping that that will appease things a little bit and calm the storm that's coming a little bit. You know. So in other words, there's a signal that's given that we've reached that point, that trouble is imminent. It's right on the, right there, right there. And if the Lord set a date, and you knew the date, you'd kick back to the last picosecond. That's right now in math, that's the smallest part of a second they've been able to measure. Okay. Used to be nanosecond. Now it's picosecond. Yeah. The Bible did say that the Lord's going to come at the last trump. 
and it, it did say that it's gonna, we're going to be changed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Keep in mind that God knows how to do a thing quickly. They had got this stuff in science called inertia. And, you know, it's kind of like something gets started, simplified, something gets started. I can't use snowball because most of you have never seen snow. Okay? I came out of the snow country many, many, many years ago, and thank God for that. Love my South Florida weather. And, uh, but you can get a snowball that starts about the size of a tennis ball. We used to make them when the packing was just right. And it was the most fun to just hit somebody right in the head and run away. Or the bus would pull up in the night. The Greyhound bus, you know, the, the palm train or whatever you want to call it, would pull up in the, on the night run, you know, it would be dark. All the roads would be plowed. And that plow puts all the snow up on the side. And we'd dig a little dugout. We'd do like the alligators do in the canals. We'd dig a little dugout. And we'd fortify it with all kinds of snowballs. And they'd harden and they'd become ice balls. And when that bus would pull up to the stop sign, we'd be waiting. And just as that bus started pulling off, we'd ride the pow, 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 pow. And then we'd run. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's what we did. You know? <laughs> oh, yeah. So what I'm saying to you about the snowball is it can start very small. But you can keep packing it if the packing's good. And you can keep, after a while, you have to roll it. It gets that big. That's how they make snowmen. And, you know, old, whatever his name the snowman is. Frosty. Frosty the snowman. Okay. If you haven't seen snow in so long, I forgot his name. Frosty the snowman. Yeah. So, you know, you'd roll it, roll it, roll it, make it real big, and that would be his trunk. And, then you'd make one next side down, and that'd be the top, the torso, and, and then the, the next one, smaller one, would be the head. Unless he was proud, then maybe you'd give him a big head. I don't know. But anyway, you'd put Frosty the Snowman together, and you'd put little branches and make all kinds of little arms and legs and different things, whatever. So I'm saying to you, but a snowball on top of the hill can start out small and start rolling. And it gains, through inertia, it gains speed. And it... It gets bigger and bigger. And, and you know what happens, too, when the, when the temperature starts getting a little warmer and it starts thawing out? It brings an avalanche because the snow underneath has melted and it gives way and it just gives way. And it creates an avalanche. People have been killed, swallowed up by those avalanches. Snowballs have crashed into things and caused damage because they gained so much weight and speed. Inertia built up that speed and that impact. And I tell you that there's a buildup. There's a buildup. And it can reach a point where it will bring a smackdown. And this world that we're a part of is on a collision course, a head-on collision course 
and what they're going to meet. The Bible said it's cut out of the mountain, the stone that's cut out of the mountain without hands. And it will crush. It will crush whatever gets in its way. Don't make an enemy out of God. Don't become in opposition to God. Don't join the opposing forces. Jesus said, the gates of hell shall not prevail. The opposition, the opposing force, don't join them. Don't give in to them. Don't let your mind get full of their words and their rhetoric and their falseness. You're going to wind up on the wrong side. You're going to wind up being one of them. The only thing that's going to be left is to face the wrath of God. And I tell you, beware the wrath of a patient God. How much better to be on God's side, to be in a period of grace and favor. How much better is it to cooperate with God, to listen to God, to embrace God, to love God, to obey God? How much better? How much easier? How much easier? If you begin to repent, Begin to tell God you're sorry for your attitude. That attitude stuff is so important. And the Bible teaches that as the church went on, as they bounced out of that upper room full of joy, full of happiness, delivered from the devil and sin, that they no longer were in shackles and slaves enslaved to the enemy's way of thinking and doing things. That they no longer listen to his spiel, his lines, his lies. He's the father of lies. They weren't going to be a part of that anymore. They'd been delivered. They were realized that they had been on the auction block of sin. They were being sold. The bondage and slavery of the Jesus saved them. Jesus bought them with his own blood, which is the blood of God. And that the great love wherewith he loves us saves us and delivers us, forgives us of the things we've repented of. I'm, not gonna, I'm sorry, and I'm not going to do those things anymore by your grace and your help. I'm walking away from that. I'm getting away from that. I'm saying no. I'm renouncing that. I'm not going to lie anymore. I had to go through a situation more than once. And I remember telling a party, I said, I keep telling y'all, because every time it would prove out, every time it would prove out, that what I told them was the truth and it was right. And I said, every time it did, I'd say, I keep telling y'all, I don't lie. I tell the truth. I've got the Holy Ghost. I left that lying stuff 46-plus years ago, got away from that. Don't do that anymore. Got delivered from that. Happy to be delivered from that. I don't have to look over my shoulder worrying if 
going to, something's going to catch up with me. Everything that was behind me went under the blood in water baptism in Jesus' name. It all got forgiven. It all got sent away as far apart as east is from the west. And, and so we get saved. But you know what? It's not enough to get saved. You got to stay saved. You got to stay saved. And so the church moved on as one person, one body, in coordination. They worked together. They labored together. They prayed together. They worshiped together. They witnessed together. They were about the work of the Lord. And when you get to this 11th chapter of the book of Acts, so 10 chapters have gone through. Big chapters, Acts chapter 2, when it all began. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. They all began to speak with other tongues or languages as the Spirit of God gave them the ability to do so. It wasn't a human experience. It wasn't you doing something mechanical. It was God. God coming into your heart. That's up here, not down here. God coming into your heart. And that He fills you with His Holy Spirit. And in so doing, He gives you the ability and He speaks through you. In another language, as His Spirit does the talking. He takes the most unruly member of your body, your tongue, and he tames it. And the writer said, that's something ain't no man can tame. Some people just can't quit talking. Some people just can't quit lying. Some people just can't. That's because they're a slave to the enemy. They're a part of him. I want to be a part of Jesus where he said, you're bone of my bone, and you're flesh of my flesh. And he said, I'm going to call you son and daughter, child, and you're going to call me father and God. And when I fill you with the Holy Ghost, part of what you're going to speak in another language is father, Abba, father. Yeah. He sends forth his spirit into your heart, crying. Abba, Father. He sends forth His Spirit into your heart and you're able by His Spirit to confess that He is the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior. Yeah. Woman, brand new woman, in the service comes to the altar, she falls on her knees. Husband remains sitting, watching, observing, not believing. But she believed. She, and she proved she was believing. Her believing wasn't to be, believing is not to be passive. Believing is action. And she got up and she went to that altar and she began to repent. She began to tell God she was sorry. And God filled her with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And when he did, as, as he filled her with his spirit, as he came into her heart, as, he, as she began to cry out in another language, her husband sat bolt upright. His eyes almost bugged out of his head. And he slowly got out of his seat and began to make his way to the altar where she was. And he began to listen more and look more and listen more. And he began to tell people in the church, he said, 
she, she's speaking Latin. He said, I know because I took Latin in college. And she didn't. She doesn't know Latin. She's speaking Latin. <laughs> well, see, when you get the Holy Ghost, it's not you. And see, that's the problem. Because our flesh always wants to take the credit. Our flesh wants to start religions and so-called churches and groups and wants to be able to claim that they do it all. Here, sign this card. Here, all you have to do is confess Christ as your personal Savior. And of course, nobody stops to say, could you show me that in the Bible? Because number one, it's not in there. Number two, that's why they couldn't show it to you. Any more than they could show you a trinity or many other such things. You know, and of course, they want to argue small points and obscure things and claim that there's no scripture for it. And do you know that some people are so arrogant and so filled with bad spirit, ugly spirit, unbelieving spirit, hateful spirit, that I won't tell them the scriptures. I won't give them the answer because they don't deserve it. They don't deserve it. What I've got is for the believing. What I've got is for the, those that are going to show themselves faithful. Going to show themselves faithful. Going to show themselves cooperative. Going to show themselves hungry. Blessed are they that do hunger and thirst. I'm not filling nobody that's not hungry and thirsty. Blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness. They want the right way. They love the things of God. They embrace like Simeon of old, you know. Man, that Jean Sitzfeld took that little new girl, new baby girl, and brother, she wrapped that baby up. And you, aren't you jealous? And <laughs> and she, she, uh, and first news you know, though, the baby started to cry. And boy, she got, you can't cry on me, girl. No way, no way, no way. <laughs> and so she got to putting her mother and grandmother touch to it and, First news you know, that baby fell asleep, you know. And uh, I remember taking little Mr. O back there up in my arms, and he was still warm from the ovens, friends. He was a brand-new baby. And I got to hold him. I embraced him. And that's what Simeon of old, coming from the church house, and God had told him, Today's your day. All the years you've served me faithfully, you've waited, waited, waited. You didn't question me. You didn't quit on me. You didn't accuse me of tarrying. But the set time has come. You ever read that in the Bible? The set time has come to favor. That's in your Bible. You ought to read it sometime. And if you've read your Bible through, then you have read it. Sometimes people say, did you read so-and-so? And I'll be like, gee, I'm trying to remember where that's at. But at least I can say, yep, I've read it. <laughs> I know I've read it all, every word, every chapter, every verse, every line. I told somebody the other day I was plowing through and about to finish up the New Testament again, and I said, that's in that Bible, 
not the other four or five Bibles I've got scattered around that I'm reading in. Read that word. It's a challenge. Here comes Simeon busting right out of the inner chambers of the, of the church. He sees this little humble couple coming his way, and they're, they're carrying an eight-day-old child, a boy. And they bring him according to the law. Do it according to the word of God, church family. No exceptions. And they brought that baby. Man, when they held that baby out, you got to understand that preacher knew that this isn't no ordinary love. This ain't no ordinary child. This is, this is the one we've been waiting for centuries. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses, Huldah, Deborah, and on and on and on and on and on. And here we are. And he says, now I can depart in peace, for my eyes have seen my salvation. And he took that child and embraced it. That's what you want to do with the church. You want to embrace it. You don't want to fight it. You don't want to be in opposition. You don't want to pick things apart. You don't want to be a part of anything that would do anything else. You want to embrace the church. You want to love the church. Because guess what? Oh, there's a day coming. There's a day coming. There is a day coming. As surely as the sun is out right now, it rose up today and it'll go down at the end of the day and the moon will come out and the stars will come out. But surely, as that's happening every day, there's a day coming. There's a day coming. I told that lawyer, I said, you can't rule from the grave. That's right. I said, and if you go to the right place, I said, you're not going to have any thought of anything here anymore. He said, that's right. You know, part of the teaching of witnessing is to get people to agree with you. She was agreeing with me. And I said, but if you go to the wrong place, I said, you're going to be very conscious of what's going on here and what all got left undone, and what all got done wrong. Yep. And if you think that the cat of nine tails, and you should think that the cat of nine tails, with the metal and the bone flex on the end of the strap, leather strap, that was laid across his back, that that great tough love of God took for you, for each and every one of us, and the blood that was shed for our healing, and the bruises that were laid upon him for our sins and iniquities. If you think that whipping, and you should, rightly so, think that was a mighty bad whooping. His insides were 
exposed and hanging out. They flayed away the skin. And it's it's going to be, I don't know if it's going to be equal, but it's going to be right up there with the severity of it, the badness of it, what your memory is going to do to you in that place called hell. It's going to remind you of every service you sat in, every word that was preached, every opportunity that you passed over, that you turned your nose up at, that you procrastinated over. In other words, you put it off and put it off and put it off until you put it off. Every time your mind wandered because you had to get home and see that television program. Of course, none of you have that, so I'm thinking some people do. All those different things that, after all, you had to check out what Kim was doing, right? Huh? Oh, yeah. Got to run and get online and get the magazine. Got to find out what they're all doing. The whole news. All the while, he's saying, arms, hands are outstretched. I'm calling you to be my child. Trying to bring you into the body of Christ. By the only way you can come in, he said, I'm the door. You got to come through me. That's what Jesus said. You've got to repent. You've got to be baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ. You must receive the free gift of the Holy Ghost with the initial sign of speaking in other tongues or languages as the Spirit of God gives you. And you know what? You better do it while you can because there's a time when tongues are going to cease. Languages are going to stop. Oh, my God knows how to shut the mouth. <laughs> my God knows how to just say it's over. Prophecies are going to fail. Mm -hmm. Knowledge is going to vanish away. It's, it's just going to roll up like a scroll, like you would take a newspaper and roll it up. Magazine, roll it up. That's what's going to happen to the heavens. Yeah. Islands, mountains are going to be moved out of their place. Stars, there's no star up there, but what is bigger than this planet Earth we're in and on. The stars are going to fall from heaven. Oh, man. That's going to be a sizable, what do you call that thing? Hailstone, <laughs> I'd say. Oh, friend. And you know, because the Bible said they're going to, the rich man, rich in this world. Didn't they, what was told one, one fellow lifted up his eyes in hell. It's amazing characteristics that you see. Guy, guy's in hell and he's still trying to give orders send Lazarus back <laughs> he's still trying to give orders he's still trying to manipulate he's still trying to pull the strings he's still trying to have his way he even argued yeah. 
not realizing that he was in no position to be barking out orders. He said, nay, if one go back from the dead, they'll listen. He argued. But you know what's funny? The one that went to the right place called heaven, he never uttered a word. He never answered anything. He didn't say nothing. <laughs> Bible said in one place, take no thought. Well, believe me, he wasn't thinking nothing about anything back here or below. Because he'd made it. He'd made it. He entered into God's rest. And the Bible did say there's a rest. There remaineth a rest unto the people of God. You get the rest when you get the Holy Ghost. You hear me? Amen. But you better understand. There's a rest beyond the rest. We just got the little end of the stick. As good as it is. And it's good. It's good. It's real good. I want that renewed in my life. I want to keep that alive, polished up in my life. Because it's good. But I also want to keep in memory. And I'm saved if I keep these things in memory. That's what the Bible said. But I want to keep in memory that there's a bigger end of the stick. That there's that place called heaven. There's that being with him, world without end. There is the promise of eternal life. Life eternal. So it brings me to my beginning and ending here today, my conclusion. And that is what Acts 11 and 23 said. That the preacher came through to visit with the folks in a local congregation. And when he came, he saw the grace of God. He was glad. And he exhorted them all, not a few, but all, that with purpose of heart, I ask you this morning, what is the purpose of your heart? Why are you here? What's the attitude of your heart? What's the aim of your heart? What's the intention of your heart? Why are you doing what you're doing? Are you here to work with? Or work again. Are you here to build up or to destroy? Are you here to help or hinder? He urged them. A man that was glad. A man that was happy. A preacher that was jumping up and down excited. And he's urging them to serve the Lord with purpose of heart. So he's saying, get, get your purpose right. And upon seeing it, 
he then encouraged them to serve the Lord that way and to cleave unto the Lord. You want to you get a grip on this and you want to stick with this. You want it to stick with you. You know, when I used to live up in the cold country, and some of them mornings would be real cold and the snow would be up to your rooftop. You have to dig out of your house to get out. And uh, mom would say, eat this hot oatmeal. It'll stick to your ribs. Well, you want to stick to the truth. You want to stick to God. You want to stick to purpose, the right purpose of heart. What is my purpose for being here? Is it an eternal purpose? Am I here to serve God and love God and hold up hands and provide support and see the work go forward? Am I here to edify or to strengthen and to build up? Serve the Lord, he said, with purpose of heart. Let that be your intention. Let that be your goal. To add to, not to take from. To build up, not to weaken. I had a preacher tell me, not too long ago, he's presently going through quite a situation north of here, up north. He said he asked a question, and he repeated it to me, what he asked of these others that were giving him a hard time, that were being contrary and smart aleck and snooty and puffed up and all kinds of things like that. Just, just smart aleck. He said, are you come to build a church? or to destroy a church. What is your motive? What is your purpose of heart? Do you even know what's in your heart? Have you prayed and emptied some things out and made sure that there's just good stuff in there? Have you renounced the hidden things of dishonesty? Have you gotten away from the lying and the deception and the what did it say about, in description, I believe it was Ephraim, one of the tribes of Israel, that their characteristic was described by the Lord through the prophet, the preacher? He said, Ephraim is a cake not turned. Now, we got some bakers here. I don't think you want to have a bake sale here at the church. And we're having one, and you bring your contribution and your cake be cooked only on one side and not on the other and say what's your name this is my cake I brought this and somebody yeah I thought it was yours <laughs> no. no what you want it to be is 
Give me some of, not just the red velvet cake, but I want Sister Stephanie's red velvet cake. That's what you want them to say. And everybody said amen. Ain't nobody asking for any Ephraim cake because that was only cooked on one side. Ain't nobody want that. Everybody politely sidestepped that, avoided that. Because there are people that aren't serving God wholeheartedly. There are people, there are people that are not sincere when the Bible said to serve the Lord in sincerity and truth. There are people that do not serve the Lord with purpose of heart as far as a godly purpose. They're not trying to build up. They're trying to tear down. They're not trying to be cooperative. They're trying to question every little thing they can. I read where people constantly tempted the Lord and sought for ways to destroy him. And I read where there were those that he didn't even answer them a word. Wouldn't even answer them. I was uh, in a restaurant. Going to have a little meeting, catch a little breakfast. Kind of like a prayer breakfast. And a uh, man went walking by me on the way to the restroom where my table was to the side. They went walking by Hey, like they were being real friendly, real nice. I never lifted my head. I just kept eating. I didn't acknowledge nothing because I knew that spirit. I knew that spirit. I knew it was insincere. I knew it was fake. I knew it was phony. And, you know, if anybody needed, and there was somebody at the table with me, needed any confirmation, that same person came out of the bathroom, came and stood opposite me at my table, and began to just run their mouth. I never looked up. I never acknowledged. I just finished eating. They walked off, leaving a bad smell behind them, of course. And uh, some people will make it clear what the, by their words, what the what their purpose of heart is. They want to fight. They want to quarrel. They want to argue for the sake of arguing. They're called sophists. They just argue for the sake of it. They get off by arguing. It makes them feel like they're really somebody. But the preacher came by, and he said, for you to serve the Lord with purpose of heart. Because he was glad when he saw what they were doing and how they were doing it. He saw that their purpose, their motive, their attitude was right. It was right. And he encouraged them to cleave to the Lord. Hold on. Get a good grip. Get a good grip on this. Get your mind settled. Somebody told me one time recently, Said, I'm not getting involved with that. Said, I've got too much to lose. Talked about their children, their marriage, their family, everything. I got too much to lose. Get involved with that nonsense. Get caught up in that. 
If you want to be all in, if you want to push all the chips to the center of the table, then I suggest that you know that your hand is the hand God gave you. That you're banking everything on Him because you're serving Him with the right attitude, with the right purpose. You're here to build up. You're here to be a blessing. You're here to be an encourager. Isn't there a Bible verse that tells about a certain man and his name was such and such and that his name meant son of encouragement? An encourager. Everybody said praise the Lord. Everybody said hallelujah. So let's obey the word. Let's be glad. Let's be happy. Let's do a little jumping up and down. Let's get behind the program. Let's serve the Lord and serve Him with purpose of heart. Let's cleave to our God. Let's get the stickability that's needed. That kind of adhesive. You know, Jesus is the glue that holds it all together. By Him, all things consist. The Bible says. Let's stand together, shall we? Let's stand together. Thank God and thank God and thank God. I pray that your heart will be open to the Lord. That maybe you'll reevaluate just where you stand. I pray that you'll be found standing in the right place with the right ones. I thank the Lord for his word and for his truth and for the oh-so-great salvation that he has given unto us and has made available to everybody. And we've got a big job to do. We've got a lot of lost people in just the Tri-City area, it's a pretty good number. It's not a great number, but it's a pretty good number. Just shy of 30,000. That's a little work to do. But just east of us, we've got over one and a quarter million people. We've got a whole entire state. And let your prayer life grow to where you might take in all the continents of this world. You know? God help us to be about our Father's business. To serve Him with purpose of heart. That we've purposed in our heart that we're going to stay with truth we're going to stay with accept, accepted things, even to the point that the Bible talked about the tradition of the elders, that we're going to stay with it. I don't want to be a washout. I don't want to be left behind. I don't want to just fade away. I'm, I'm trying to hang in for a crown that fadeth not away. <laughs> You know, I don't want to be in hell getting beat up by my own memory because of my sorry attitude, because I listened to the wrong things and got 
influenced by the wrong things and wouldn't stand up and be on the right side, be with them that went to the upper room and continued on, and that's why I got what I got. And I know not only why, but where I got what I got. It didn't just happen. I got introduced to a, a young woman the other day in an office with a couple of other people. And I was very impressed by that young lady. And I said, who do we owe the thanks to? A mom, a dad, a grandmother, a grandfather? Who put this good stuff in you? She just laughed. She never really did answer me. Next time I saw her, I said, are you from around here? Yeah. Well, okay. I said, because, you know, you've come to our attention. And I heard the person that owned the business said, you're fitting in too good around here. Oh, that's a nice compliment, isn't it? That you fit in to the overall. That's a nice compliment. That's a nice compliment. And this lady doesn't, this young lady doesn't have what you've got. Yeah. How much more so should we be an example of fitting in, of being a part, of serving with purpose, eternal purpose at that? How much more? Knowing what we know. I want to wind up in the right arms in the right place. You talk about not having a care. Guy in hell lifting up his eyes, wanting a fellow to just, that's a small request. Just tell him. I know him. I remember him. Every day he invited me to church, and I never went. <laughs> I remember him. Tell him to just dip his finger in water and come touch the end of my tongue. I'm parched, and I'm in torment. Still trying to give out the orders. Still trying to convince people to do things his way. Instead of trying to turn the semi around, maybe you ought to turn around. Duh. You know? Instead of trying to turn God and his church around, might realize that you don't want to need to turn around. You don't want to need to repent. You don't want to need to make the change. You don't want to need to go from contrary to cooperative, from hateful to loving, from lying to truthful, oh, to serving the Lord with the right attitude, with purpose of heart, and cleave unto God. Man, think about Jacob cleaving to an angel. And even though that angel knocked his thigh out of joint, he still wouldn't let go. You're talking about getting a grip on life. I'm not I've got a blessing coming and I'm not going to lose it for anybody. For any of their rhetoric and their words and their garbage. I'm not going to lose that. I'm going to get a grip. I'm going to cleave to the church, and to the Lord, and to the truth. 
Let's lift our hearts with our hands, shall we? Oh, God, help us today in a warring, crazy, mixed-up world, oh, God. I want to listen to you. I want to have an ear to hear what the Holy Spirit has to say, not to what a lying devil has to say. I don't want confusion. I want truth. I want the peace of God. Oh, Lord, I want your peace. Oh, Lord, I want your truth. I want to do it right, God. I want you to set my feet in the paths of righteousness. Please, oh, great God, touch everybody here today. Strengthen every heart here today, oh, kind God. Please, God, please. Please, God, please. Won't you grant us the touch of God? the strength of God, the blessings of God, the help of God. Jesus, our main focus and interest is winning the lost, edifying the body, being addicted to the ministry of the saints, and going forward in the name of Jesus Christ. Oh God, oh God, I praise you. God, I love you and I thank you, dear God. I need you, holy King. I need you, holy God. God, you're a great God. And everybody said, God bless the offering. In Jesus' name.